And just taking a breath with me in this moment. And as I feel my lungs and my body accept that life, that air and atmosphere that envelops me and fills me with each and every breath. I acknowledge that there is a life. There is a life. And that life is giving and loving. That life is always present. Hmm. And because there is only this one, that I know that that is filling me, filling all things, for it is the source of everything. And because I, I can't even see the air, that which is supporting me, that I know that there is an aspect of this one life, this source, that is beyond my vision. And some is even beyond my comprehension and understanding. And so right here and now, I realize and accept that there is a part of this life, this presence, this source of all that is a mystery. And because it is a mystery, because I may not know and I may not see how it comes into being, how this life is here in me and how it shows up in my world and in the lives of others, that I accept it joyfully, for I know that it is the good and the love and the presence that is supporting me, supporting everything and everyone. And so like the beauty that I see as I turn a corner, the unexpected gift that shows up, I can allow and accept and know that the good is always, always present, always showing up, regardless of what my experience or what I see around me looks like. And so with this truth, with great gladness, I release this <sighs> to let it be to let it be my joy of the mystery of this life. And so I release it and let it go knowing it is the truth that it is here right now. And together we say, and so it is. And so allowing that peace, that beauty, that joy to resonate within you as we take two moments, two minutes of silent introspection.
This month, we're looking at, at the idea of one journey, many paths. That we're all on one journey, and we're all taking each our own individual path. And our talk today is called The Infinite Invisible, which is a great name because it doesn't take any of the traditional paths, you know, preferred names for that thing, that, you know, substance, that isness. The Infinite Invisible. And... In describing the individual in, 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 the, in the New Testament, the, the person of Jesus used the metaphor of the wind. You can't see the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. You can see it as it moves into the tree branches. You can see it as it makes the snowflakes go sideways sometimes, very recently. You can see it as, as you can feel it on your face or on your body. You can use it to sail boats or power uh, wind turbines to generate electricity uh, or, or fly kites. You can see the effects of wind, but you can't actually see wind because wind is just air within air movement of air within air. In the same way, hmm, that's cute. Those were all upside down. It's the same with spirit. We don't see this infinite invisible. We don't see spirit. It's literally invisible. It's life within life, within life, within life. But we see and we feel and we hear the effects of spirit within and all around us as we tap into that. You know, the last three and a half centuries of, of Western philosophy have been a, a shift from believing in superstitions and, and invisible little gods manipulating everything around to a greater belief in a material world based on evidence, based on things that we can perceive by the five senses. And of course, we've expanded what we can see by the five senses by using, you know, electronics and, and stuff to where we can see ultraviolet and infrared, things that when, when people first started shifting to this 400 years ago, 300 years ago, we're not even, you know, we're not even visible to them. And while this shift has moved us away from the old superstition, it has also resulted in distrusting anything that we can't perceive physically. And it's expressed perfectly in that I'll believe it when I see it statement. My, my dad was born in Missouri, which is known as the show me state. You know, if you can't show it to me, it ain't real. It also has created a rift between the ideas of spiritual and material. That, that they are separate from each other and almost in opposition to each other. And the greater truth, the higher truth is that both are real. Both are true. They're just not the only, each one isn't just the only reality. Each is intertwined with the other and needs the other to exist. You know, I think of the the uh, the Daiji symbol in in Taoist uh, philosophy. You know, the circle with the the black and the white in it, and that's a flow of energy. As as the yang energy grows, uh, you know, it seems to be the dominant, but it eventually comes to an end, and the yin energy rises and flows and becomes dominant until it also flows down, winds down, and the yang starts over again. And each of that, all of that is intertwined. So material and spiritual are intertwined with each other. They both arise out of the same energy, the same consciousness. Spiritual teachers throughout the ages have encouraged aligning with spirit as influencing the, the experiences 
of our lives in the outer, in the material world. That what we do within creates outside of us. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all else shall be added. All this other stuff. So what does this mean to us? Ralph Waldo Emerson, in his essay, The Oversoul, says, when we have broken our God of tradition, and this is a small g-god, when we have broken our God of tradition and ceased from our God of rhetoric, then may God, capital G-God, then may God fire the heart with his presence. When we get rid of the stuff of our minds, of our, of our traditions, of our words and thoughts about it, when we can open up to that infinite presence, that infinite invisible within us, it can fire our hearts. And what a lovely day to celebrate the firing of hearts, right? Valentine's Day, where our hearts are on fire. We've got little glittery hearts. I should have put mine on too. Carol, I see you over there. Just as we let go of our old ideas about the material world, you know, we, we, as we grow in scientific awareness, we, we let go of, of old ideas we thought were in place to be replaced by new ideas based on more accurate perceptions. And we also let go of our old ideas about God or gods to experience more accurate perceptions. Pema Chodron, who's a Buddhist nun, said, Buddha is our inherent nature. And, this, and she's not referring to the person Buddha, but the nature. Buddha is our inherent nature, our Buddha nature. And what that means is that if we're going to grow up fully, the way that it happens is that you begin to connect with the intelligence you already have. If we're going to begin to grow up fully, we have to connect with the Buddha nature that already lives within us. We experience and connect with this infinite invisible by going within. Where like the wind, we can hear, see, and feel the flow of spirit. And then as we tune into that flow, we see, hear, and feel the effects in our outer lives. It shows up out here as what we listen to in here becomes us. Ernest Holmes says, there can and does descend into our minds, embody and personify in our person a divinity, a unity, the spirit of God, the direct incarnation of the original thing in us, the mystical presence of the Christ. And again, when he's talking about the Christ, he's not talking about a person. He's talking about it in the same way that Pema Chodron talks about our Buddha nature. It's the Christ consciousness. It's the communion between the material and the, and the, and the spiritual, where they come together, which is within us, by the way. When we understand that the infinite invis invisible, this field of pure energy, is the source of all, it's the source of the spiritual and the source of the material. It's the source of all. We understand why every spiritual teacher says to go within first. Get an idea what your project is going to be for this week? We're going within first. And that going within will produce outer results. It'll produce life more abundantly. It will produce growing up. It will produce a heart fired by God. It will produce experiences in our outer world. But approaching this infinite invisible takes a different path than we are used to. It takes a path of humility. 
It takes a path of not trying to manipulate the divine for our own benefit. Joel Goldsmith says, in going within, we do not turn to our own spirituality or our own goodness or our own strength or our own knowledge, but we go within to unleash the infinite invisible. We go within to unleash that which is within us. We are not here to direct the infinite, but to be directed by the infinite. Not my will, but that greater inner guidance be done. This surrender is what keeps our ego-driven self, by the way, from resisting real spiritual engagement. Because that ego, that ego believes it won't get what it wants. And it triggers all the old feelings we have is from, small, from our early childhood, that when we got denied the things that, that we thought we really wanted. Anybody besides me? Yeah. And we got denied that by these seemingly controlling parents who didn't, wouldn't give us what we really wanted. I want to touch the stove with my hand. I want to find out what that real red, funny, red glowing thing is. It's really cute. It's really pretty. I want to touch that red. <laughs> I had a neighbor who did that. As long as we maintain that old idea of that parental God with its rules and its punishments, we won't trust it or surrender to it. It's not until we begin to realize that we are in a universe that is for us and not against us, that we feel safe surrendering, which opens us up then to a greater experience of even more how much it is for us and not against us. And so we grow step by step by step as we, as we trust a little bit, we build more trust. As we trust that little bit more, we expand into even more trust. We grow in that process. And we tend to, as human beings, grow through four levels of consciousness. First, the first level, in the first level, we experience life as happening to us. Good or bad, it's just happening to us. We are just victims of life. Kurt Vonnegut in the book, The Sirens of Titan, had his, his main character, Maliki Constant, end with, with a, a line that says, I was a victim of a series of accidents, as are we all. And if we believe in an empty universe with no intelligence, that can be true. But that's not what we believe in. Because then we have to ask the question, how can we experience intelligence or love or joy or beauty or any of those other qualities if they're not already present in the universe? We couldn't experience those unless they're already so. So as we grow past this victim perception, which we can do by letting go of blaming others or our outside forces, or even aspects of ourselves, we start taking responsibility and we grow into the next level in which we recognize that we have the ability to direct our lives. We have the ability to create. Wow. That's oftentimes for most people enter something like a science of mind teaching or a personal growth seminar or something like that. We start to learn that we can create. And so we take internal and external actions to create lives we love. And the motto of this level is, if, it's, if it is to be, it's up to me. I'm going to make it happen. Eventually, we all have noticed that it seems we're not creating alone. 
And we release that need to control, which is the shadow side of that second aspect of life. And we move into a new aspect, a new level, which is co-creation. Co-creation. I let it happen. I make it welcome. And it happens both within. I enter into a co-creative relationship with that infinite presence within me, and it happens with others, with outside. So life begins to happen through me. Instead of to me, instead of by me, it happens through me. And this echoes the story domes we just spoke about last Sunday from, from uh, Richard Rohr's story domes. The first two levels of our, of our consciousness are all about me. It's all happening to me, or I'm making it happen. When we move into the next layers of consciousness, it becomes about we, and not only just the collective we of our humans, but also we in terms of a spiritual energy in the universe, this infinite invisible. The third level connects us with that infinite invisible, but that very, which is that very real. It's invisible, but very real, just like the wind. You know, if you've ever been around a hurricane or a tornado or even just a strong wind, it's very real, right? Yes? You experience the results. And so we ask in that consciousness, in that level, what wants to be created here? Not what do I want to create here? What wants to be created here? What is it that the infinite wants to create here through me? And again, it takes trust to move into this level. It takes seeing that we can get what we really want, but not necessarily in the ways that our ego thinks it's going to happen. And so we have to let go of that control that our ego has of not only do I want what I want, but I want it in this way, and it has to look like this. Finally, when we really build that trust, we truly build that trust, we can move from the, we let go of all sense of I. We let go of any sense of separation from the infinite. This is why I asked us at the beginning to recognize that even those people that we dislike, we have to recognize they and I are one. We are all part of that one. So when we move into that I, that's, let go of that separation, we move into that fourth level, which is oneness. Complete, total oneness. Life happens as me. I happen as life. Because in case you haven't noticed, we do tend to play in human form. You've, you've noticed you have this thing called a body, right? It's really tough to maintain that fourth level of consciousness. I've, it's compared to, you know, the moth seeking the flame, but when the moth finds the flame, there is no more moth. And so we as human beings don't tend to go for that flame because we would completely cease to exist if we truly, truly lived in that consciousness. And this culture is not set up to handle somebody who's totally, totally, you know, lost their self-identity. They would lock them up and medicate them. So we usually only get glimpses of this level. We let go of our humanness from, for short periods of time, and we're in complete union with that infinite invisible. And I I'm willing to bet that everybody on this Zoom meeting has experienced that even briefly at some point in time. I'm reading recently that Howard Thurman, who's a lovely African-American uh, mystic theologian uh, from 
a number of years ago said that when he was young, growing up, he loved to go fishing on a boat and he would just sit and there was pure silence other than just the lapping of the waves against the boat. And after a while, he realized the lapping of the waves and the movement of himself, and the movement of everything in nature was all one. It was all one. The pulse that was pulsing through the waves, it was pulsing through the fish, it was pulsing through the sky and the trees, it was also pulsing through him, and it was the same pulse, all one pulse. And so we have those moments, and they shift us. They shift us. Today, as we celebrate Valentine's Day, we recognize that it is at core a celebration of love. And love, capital L, love, is the core quality of the infinite invisible. It doesn't matter whether you have someone special in your life or not. You are already and always immersed in love. Just, just notice that for a moment. You're in love. We're always in love. We're just not always aware of it, but we're always in love. Teresa kind of guided that guide us into that experience in her meditation today, that experience of we are immersed in love. And so as we settle into the awareness of that truth, our experiences and our expressions demonstrate that love. And we're no longer seeking love, you know, the wonderful looking for love in all the wrong places. We're no longer seeking for love. And if you're looking for love, you're looking in the wrong place, just automatically. Because we stop seeking love and we start knowing love knowing that we are love personified. Life is love personified. We know love and it takes form and we give our light of love as our gift to the world. So this week, one assignment, just one. Spend time with the infinite invisible. I'm gonna go back to that quote from Joel Goldsmith. In going within, we do not turn to our own spirituality or our own goodness or our own strength or our own knowledge, but we go within to unleash the infinite invisible. We go within to experience the nature of the divine itself for no other purpose than to experience the nature of the divine itself knowing that as we open to that, it starts to move through us. And as Jesus said, all else is added. I want to close with a quote. This is from uh, one of my, our fellow, my fellow religious science ministers, um, uh, Sydney Lehman, almost forgot her name there. And she says, we are encouraged to move from thinking about the divine to feeling it and experiencing it by way of the mystical experiences that transcend any one path, any religion, or any tradition. One mountain with many paths, one tree with many branches, one river with many wells. Joel Goldsmith says, put into practice what you already know. I'll say that again. This is, this is um, Brent's do it, just do it. Put into practice what you already know. The painter paints. The, the dancer dances, the chef cooks, but what of the mystic? Mystical living is not intellectually achieved. The mystic lives in the mystical experience by letting God be God as them. Let us go to God for the joy of experiencing God and then see 
what God does. We have an affirmation to anchor that in. So join me in saying this. With trust, joy, and delight, I let God be God in and as me. Let's say it one more time. With trust, joy, and delight, I let God be God in and as me. And so it is. So let's breathe that in. Let's breathe in all this love, all this good, all this longevity, all this this infinite invisible that lives and moves and has its being within us and we within it. Recognizing that this infinite love, this infinite wholeness, this infinite peace, this infinite power, this infinite beauty and joy is all that there is. It's all there really is. And because it's all there is that each and every one of us, brothers and sisters, are expressions of and immersed in that divine, immersed in that love and that peace and that beauty, that joy, that power, that wholeness, that wisdom, abundantly expressing. We are immersed in it. We are one of it. And so I speak my word that this week we allow ourselves to move into our holy boldness to ask ourselves, what is it that the infinite invisible wants to unleash as us? And that we say yes. That we grow in consciousness. We grow in expression. We grow in trust. We grow in the knowingness of how deeply held and how deeply safe we are within this oneness, this invisible and yet very tangible, infinite. And so in gratitude for the heart opening, for the healings, for the expressions and, and the movement of spirit through our lives in ways that are so wonderful and such a blessing, I give great thanks and I release this word into a law that moves it into form and expression and experience in through and as each of us perfectly, right here, right now. And it is done. Join me together when say, and so it is.